Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, several big headlines as we come on the air. The big play by the world's richest man, Elon Musk's aggressive takeover of one of the most influential social media platforms. Elon Musk's $44 billion purchase. What the mastermind behind Tesla now wants to do with Twitter. And does it mean that former President Donald Trump can sound off again? American show of force, explosions rock Ukraine. Hours after U.S. secretaries of state and defense travel to Kyiv, saying they want to weaken Russia's military. Trump held in contempt. The New York judge's ruling as the former president faces a $10,000 a day fine for not turning over documents. Mysterious children's disease, an outbreak of liver infections in young kids, the symptoms parents should look out for. Trove of texts, the never before seen messages from lawmakers and President Trump's son to Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, what they say. Execution halted. The new evidence a Texas mother says exonerates her in the murder of her two-year-old daughter. Tonight, the new crime scene photos and body cam footage released in the Alec Baldwin Rust movie shooting probe. The Supreme Court and school prayer. The nation's highest court hears the case of a high school football coach who prayed on the field. That's pure religious discrimination. And a concert for Ukraine, the special tribute raising money for refugees. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us as we start a new week together. Tonight, the world's richest man, Elon Musk, is set to control one of the most influential social media platforms, and both lawmakers and Wall Street are waiting to see what happens next. The Tesla and SpaceX CEO is worth $268 billion, and now he'll take Twitter private. The outspoken billionaire says the platform isn't living up to its potential as a place for free speech. Some are celebrating the deal. Others are concerned a hands-off approach to content will make Twitter a haven for disinformation and hate speech. Musk has used the platform to bully critics and reporters who have written articles about him or his companies. The network has nearly 400 million users. Someone not on Twitter? Donald Trump. A little over a year ago, the former president was banned from the site, but even with new ownership, Trump told Fox News he will not rejoin and instead stick with his own social media platform. CBS's Nikki Batiste will start us off from New York. Good evening, Nikki. Nora, good evening. It was a rocky courtship with threats and counter threats. But if this deal ultimately goes through, Elon Musk will have complete control of a huge social media platform already entrenched in a debate over free speech. It took 11 days before Twitter's board unanimously approved billionaire Elon Musk's bid for the company. Immediately after, Musk tweeted to his nearly 84 million followers, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy, and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. And Elon Musk-owned Twitter could look significantly different, with fewer ads, less content oversight, and some type of edit button. Owning Twitter would also give him the power to address one of his biggest criticisms of the social media platform, its limits on free speech, which he addressed in this recent TED Talk. We want to be just very reluctant to delete things and, and have... Um, just, just be very cautious with, with, with per permanent bans. Musk's initial offer was met with resistance. Twitter even voted to adopt what's called a poison pill to prevent Musk from gaining a majority stake. But proof of financing and no better offers led to a deal. This makes Elon Musk uh, at the top of mind of everyone in the world. Twitter isn't the biggest social network in the world, but it's certainly the buzziest and maybe the most influential. Musk's own behavior on Twitter has gotten him in trouble. This 2020 tweet led to his electric car company losing billions in value. And these 2018 tweets ran him afoul of the SEC. Is there any danger in a Twitter owned by Elon Musk? Misinformation and disinformation could be amplified considerably. So the reality of an Elon Musk-owned Twitter is that a number of these bad actors could run rampant uh, across the social network. Tonight, we are hearing the CEO of Twitter has told employees that if the sale goes through, the future of the social media firm is uncertain. We do know the sale is expected to close this year, subject to a vote of Twitter shareholders and regulatory approvals. Twitter stock was up 5.6% at the close of trading today on Wall Street. Nora? Quite a story. Nikki Batiste, thank you. Now to Ukraine, which received its biggest show of solidarity yet with the visit from the high-ranking, highest-ranking U.S. delegation. The risky trip was kept under wraps, including a more than 10-hour train ride into the Ukrainian capital. CBS's Charlie Daggett reports tonight from eastern Ukraine. 
Traveling by train to a secret underground location, handshakes and even a couple of hugs began high-stakes talks in the Ukrainian capital, a symbol of solidarity from Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Safely back across in Poland, the Secretary of State said Russia's attempt to subjugate Ukraine has failed. We don't know how the rest of this war will unfold, but we do know that a sovereign, independent Ukraine will be around a lot longer than Vladimir Putin's on the scene. Hours after the delegation crossed out of Ukraine, Russian airstrikes pounded five train stations in the space of an hour, including a strike on Lviv, the region they had just left. At the besieged steel plant in Mariupol today, the Russian military announced a unilateral ceasefire to evacuate as many as 1,000 civilians who've been sheltering in bunkers for nearly two months. But Ukraine denied that a deal had been struck. Those who managed to escape from Mariupol and other Russian-held territories arrive here, a tent outside a shopping center in Zaporizhia. It took Irina Asajaya and her three young children 13 hours to travel 100 miles by bus. She said everyone on the bus cried when they reached the first Ukrainian-held checkpoint. Volunteer Ekaterina Marchenko told us those arriving from Mariupol have suffered more than most. We understand uh, how it is hard for them and uh, we understand that they live uh, in the hell. In hell? In hell. It was hell. At a nearby hospital turned combat trauma ward, we find 27-year-old Nazar Gnatyev. The radio host from Lviv volunteered when the war began. Yesterday, on the front line, a Russian artillery round tore through both his legs and his arm. Do you want to fight again? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course, because it's my land. It's my country. It's my motherland. Tomorrow, the UN Secretary General heads to Moscow to meet with President Putin in person for the first time since this war began. He then travels here to Ukraine to meet with President Zelensky in the hope of a diplomatic breakthrough. Nora? Charlie Daggett, thank you. Former President Donald Trump was held in contempt of court today in order to pay a fine of $10,000 a day. A New York judge made the ruling against Trump for failing to adequately respond to a subpoena from New York's Attorney General. CBS's Major Garrett is with us. And Major, this was a startling decision. It was indeed, Nora. The decision was blunt and swift. The judge didn't even wait to write the order. He delivered it from the bench. The judge's name, Arthur Engeron, and he said this today. Mr. Trump, I know you take your business seriously, and I take mine seriously. I hereby hold you in civil contempt. Now, this is about a long-running feud over documents related to Mr. Trump's business holdings, golf courses, buildings with his name on it, and the like. And what the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, says were gimmicks, tricks, and financial sleight of hand that Trump or the Trump Organization used, she alleges, to either inflate or hide their true value. Why? To get loans, pay lower taxes, and obtain better insurance rates. And Major, has there been a response yet from Mr. Trump? Not from Trump, but his attorneys late today said they will appeal this contempt holding, in part because they say these, sub these subpoena documents simply don't exist. Trump's attorney said that she went to Mar-a-Lago, interviewed Trump, looked for these 
documents simply couldn't find him. She also called this investigation, quote, a political crusade that continues to grow and expand. Trump's attorney also said the former president would swear an affidavit that he has provided all relevant documents. We should note, Nora, he has not provided that affidavit as of yet. All right, Major Garrett, thank you. All right, there are new text messages from then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and they were unveiled today. Among the texts is a suggestion from members of Congress that President Trump declare martial law and use the military to remain in office. CBS's Robert Costa has more. On January 6, as rioters stormed the Capitol, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was bombarded with messages from Republicans, even the president's son urging the president to intervene. Donald Trump Jr. warned they will try to expletive his entire legacy on this if it gets worse. From South Carolina Congressman William Timmons, the president needs to stop this ASAP. And from Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, please tell the president to calm people. This isn't the way to solve anything. The newly unveiled texts, first reported by CNN and confirmed by CBS News, are among the thousands Meadows provided to the House committee investigating the Capitol attack. They also reveal House Republicans were discussing martial law, using the military to keep Trump in power just days before President Biden's inauguration. On January 17th, Green texted Meadows, in our private chat with only members, several are saying the only way to save our republic is for Trump to call for martial law. I don't know on those things. I just wanted you to tell him. That text raises new questions about her testimony last week, under oath during a court challenge to keep her off the ballot. Ms. Green, did you advocate to President Trump to impose martial law as a way to remain in power? I don't recall. So you're not denying you did it, you just don't remember. I don't remember. Sources close to the committee tell CBS News that the committee will continue to probe the role of House Republicans in the coming days as it moves closer to public hearings and a final report. Nora. Robert Costa, thank you so much. And this breaking news just coming in, a federal judge is temporarily blocking the Biden administration from ending a Trump-era pandemic restriction that allowed U.S. immigration officials to quickly expel migrants. Now, that was supposed to happen on May 23rd, but 21 Republican-led states filed suit to block the termination of this rule known as Title 42. Let's turn now to Santa Fe County, New Mexico, where the sheriff's office today released never-before-seen videos and photos of its investigation into that deadly shooting on the set of Alec Baldwin's Western Rust. CBS's Omar Villafranca shows us the evidence and has the new details. Tonight, for the first time, we're seeing actor Alec Baldwin holding the infamous gun before the tragic incident that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins. She shot her? She came in here and went across her chest. A new body camera video released by the Santa Fe Sheriff's Office show the frantic moments after the shooting with Hutchins on the ground surrounded by first responders. Photos of the gun and Baldwin's hands after the shooting were also released. After the shooting, Baldwin is seen telling two deputies that he didn't pull the trigger of the 45 caliber prop gun while rehearsing the scene and didn't know who put a live round in the weapon. I take the gun out, and as I take it, like, as it clears, as the barrel clears, I turn and cock the gun over here. I turn and cock the gun, the gun goes off. The video also shows director Joel Souza lying on the ground, injured by the same bullet that killed Hutchins. A separate report about the working conditions on the Rust film set 
found the rust management knew that firearm safety procedures were not being followed on set and demonstrated plain indifference to employee safety by failing to review work practices and take corrective action. Baldwin was also a producer on the film, but he doesn't blame himself for the accident. I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. Investigators are still waiting for phone records and ballistic information before they wrap up the criminal investigation. Baldwin has not been charged. Nora? Omar Villafranca, thank you. All right, tonight the World Health Organization is sounding the alarm about a rare and mysterious outbreak of severe hepatitis in children in the U.S. and Europe. There are at least 172 cases of this serious liver inflammation reported in 12 countries. At least one child has died. CBS News chief medical correspondent Dr. John LaPook reports tonight on the cases here in the U.S. The CDC's nationwide alert is warning doctors to look for severe inflammation of the liver in otherwise healthy children. From October to February, nine children in Alabama were diagnosed, two requiring liver transplants. Two other cases were found in North Carolina. All 11 are doing well, and three more suspected cases were just reported today from Illinois. Dr. Marcus Buckfellner is one of the treating doctors at University of Alabama at Birmingham. Do you think this is a new problem that hasn't really existed before, or we just didn't know about it? It could be either. It's a little bit too soon for us to tell. I'm really hoping that our investigation into this will spur on more patient stories being submitted to us. Many of the children had a common infection called adenovirus. It's not known to cause hepatitis in healthy children. The first cases were discovered in the UK, where Alan Rain's three-year-old daughter tested positive for adenovirus in March and soon needed a liver transplant. We got told it's not a matter of days that we're talking, it's a matter of hours. So it was absolutely vital that we got this process done as quickly as, as physically possible. Rain gave half of his own liver to his daughter, who was recovering well. Gotta love a parent's love. Since adenovirus usually causes respiratory or GI symptoms and not inflammation of the liver, public health officials are looking for other possible culprits. None of the 11 children in Alabama and North Carolina were vaccinated against COVID or had evidence of past COVID infection. Nora? This is really scary. Dr. LaPook, thank you so much. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
Tonight, just two days before the scheduled execution of a Texas woman, an appeals court stepped in amid growing doubts about whether she fatally beat her two-year-old daughter. A lower court will review Melissa Lucio's claim that new evidence shows her two-year-old daughter accidentally took a fatal fall down a staircase back in 2007. All right, at the Supreme Court, oral arguments began today in one of the most important school prayer cases in more than a decade. The case involves a former football coach at a small public high school in Washington State who prayed at midfield after every game. The school district told him to stop after several parents complained that their kids felt pressured to pray. All right, the FAA is investigating a stunt gone wrong high above the Arizona desert. Two cousins, both daredevil pilots and skydivers, plan to swap planes in midair. One made it safely into the other's plane and landed. The other pilot missed his plane but parachuted safely. It turns out the FAA rejected the pilot's request to do this stunt in the first place. A weekend benefit concert for Ukrainian refugees hit all the right notes as it live-streamed around the world. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. This battle for the people of Ukraine fought not with weapons, but with the power of music. 50 piano pieces by Ukrainian composers played by 50 piano players, raising nearly $90,000 so far. My piano family. The concert, arranged by Polly Vanderlinda, who runs the Sonatina Piano Camp in Vermont, than I attended as a kid. When you put the call out for volunteers, what was their reaction? They're like, what can we do? We need to do something that makes us feel good, that gives back. And somehow this music took us over and we said, we've got to do this. The Ukrainian pieces performed by professionals and beginners. The oldest performer, 92 years old. The youngest, 16-year-old Ben Wilson. His father, Boris, was born in Crimea. When we reach out across the ocean, um, I, I know that this is felt by those who are fighting to survive. President Zelensky at the Grammy Awards earlier this month. Feel the silence with your music. Feel it today to tell our story. These 50 piano players heard the message, and they're playing like the world is listening. At O'Keefe, CBS News, Washington. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, gifted young musicians spend a weekend with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra to help bring diversity to classical music. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I've been a reporter for more than three decades, and along the way, I've been talking to myself in notebooks I've carried in my back pocket. They've captured thoughts about life, parenthood, death, friendship, and more. I'm John Dickerson, and I'd like you to join me in figuring out what these 30 years of notebooks mean in my new podcast, Naval Gazing. Each episode, we dig through the piles of notebooks that I've been collecting, and from their entries, try to sort out what makes a life. This collection of audio essays is available wherever you get your podcasts.